Good day, beautiful people. Today's podcast is an interview with Genevieve Tuco from Southern Hemisphere Witches. Sit back and enjoy. Good morning, Genevieve. How are you today? And thank you very much for accepting to be interviewed. Good morning, Maya. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I'm really, really grateful. And I'm hoping you're having a great day. Absolutely fabulous. I have time off to do the things that I love. And yes, I'm, I'm most happy and most relaxed. Um, I'm a very curious soul, Genevieve. Tuoko, where does that name come from? And am I pronouncing it correctly? I get asked this so many times. It's actually pronounced Tuco. It used to have a silent CK at the end, but, you know, people won't pronounce the silent CK. So it actually stems from Britain. Yeah. Uh, the Waterman, they became Waterman, and it's actually an interesting history, the surname itself. So we've traced it back to the 1600s, and yeah, British. And it's pronounced like the number two and company. Yes. That's really very interesting, Genevieve. Thank you. Thank you for explaining. And since we're here to discuss spiritual matters, how would you describe your spiritual path? Spirituality has actually never been an easy thing for me. Uh, I was raised atheist. Um, so everything that I had to find, I had to find by myself. Now, most people always say that oh, you're so lucky you were raised that way. And I can tell you now, no, um, it's not as easy as one thinks. Um, my dad basically pointed me to, hey, you want to find a God? There, go read. Um, so that really did confuse me growing up. And uh, I'm saying and a lot. But um, so I got into many paths and then things started happening to me. I started having visions. Um, I got sick a lot. I was a very ill child. I would see things and um, they eventually got me diagnosed with uh, temporal lobe epilepsy. So my whole life I had to find a way to distinguish what was real, what was hallucinations, what was, should I say, a vision um, and what was my brain. So I tempered along the sides of, I have to backtrack with everything that I'm doing daily. So yes, um, and then of course, I have to waver science with spirituality. So I'd say I, I ventured off into the chaos side of things because my life was so chaotic. And I am on a lot of medications because I've tried to not be on them, but for the sake of my family, I have to be on them because my world will just be delusional. So what most people think I am, half the time I am not because I have to keep on backtracking and backtracking. So at this point, after much contemplation, I have to say I'm a neurodiverse witch because yes, I, I am also on the spectrum. So neurodiversity is basically my path and I just read and read and read, but I do fall under the thing of do no harm. So yeah, it is a constant struggle for me daily, but I won't call it a struggle either because I have learned so much to finding who I am. Wow, that is fascinating.
They say that we learn through suffering, so you are indeed very blessed in being neurodiverse. Tell me, do you believe in God now, or do you still ascribe to something more abstract? Oh, I, I definitely believed in the abstract. Um, I have to believe in the abstract. Um, as I, I have been to the other side. I've had near-death experiences, and I, I've had more than two. And every time, it has been absolutely beautiful and fractal. It's, it's unbelievable. And whether it was my brain taking over, I'm still going to put them one in the same category because the universe is too vast to, to have just one explanation for it. And whether it be a god or gods, it's just there is something out there. There has to be. And I mean, if you read all those books at the end of the day, you know, like like good old Campbell thought, it's it's all the same story over and over again. I, I think it's a fractal God. I think it's a multi-dimensional God. Um, it really excites me to know that there is more out there. And I, I don't care if people think I'm crazy. This is who I am now at this point. And there's so much beauty in the world, you know, when I, when I feel or I tap into that, it's just like... God is fractal, you know, the spiritual world is fractal and it's all one and the same. Oh, I do agree that there must be something out there. I don't know what it is, yes, um, but beauty and love are a great big part of this fractal, multi-dimensional being, as, <laughs> as you say, of which we are part of, in my opinion. Um, I also realized you know, through the things that I experienced in my life, some not so pleasant. I am not a victim of the world I see. I can elect to change all thoughts that hurt or harm or that worry me. That would be hurt, wouldn't it? And I'm never upset for the reason that I think I'm upset. I also realize that fear is not justified in any form and that only my condemnation injures me. The opinion of others is their problem, not my problem. And that forgiveness is a key to happiness. Forgiveness of myself for what I've done um, wrong, okay? And there we get into the whole um, diatribe of wrong and right and whatnot you know we live in a dualistic world you know so that we can understand um things but it's far more than that isn't it <laughs> the universe and the divine oneness are extremely beautiful and the way we tend to look at the world and the way we tend to use our mind changes as we experience life and the way that others look at us. But I found out that turning away from judgment is really yet another key to happiness. Do you agree with that? 
We often choose to be right rather than happy. And yet, I'm very thankful that each moment of interaction with others and with my inner self is an opportunity to choose peace instead of conflict and thereby be more fully responsive to my needs and the needs of those surrounding me, also to the universe. Although judgments can be severe, um, you know, you've got to see the beauty in everything. Like, you can either see a tree as green or you can see the many greens in a tree. An art teacher taught me that and that has resonated with me since the age of 13. So you can either judge a tree just for a tree or you can see the tree for the forests. So, you know, the others, we could be the others to them. So, you know, if you want to see the beauty in the world, you can do it. You really, really can. Just some people see it in different ways. 100%. And um, that is basically what attitudinal healing is all about, isn't it? It's in releasing all thoughts from our minds except love and beauty. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of introspection and choosing to see everyone in their own individual capacity, seeing everyone and yourself. You know, it's, it's a standpoint of innocence, basically, a different way of interpreting the world and the universe and yourself. It's like looking through rose-tinted glasses. Well, rose tinted glasses with like fractal frames, at least, you know, like, or bifocals. Yeah, definitely. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things for a person to do them, for themselves, you know. But currently I'm seeing a lot of people jumping off from their egos and then going into spirituality and then having a spiritual eagle, ego, eagle, weird thing. But yeah, you know, and then they think they're like soaring and they, they, they just like bang up on a new ego because they've learned something new and um, that's also not a good process to go through. You know, um, you, it's almost a humbling experience to realize that they are more like you, you know, you're not alone amongst the others. Um, new things are happening. You know, the whole paganism community is growing in strength and there's no need for competition and there's no need for judgments amongst our own. And uh, there's so much beauty and there's so much beauty to share and care and yeah. I agree with you 100% um, and I too have come across this, you know, people who believe that they have dealt with ego but they haven't. They've just put it on you know, on the back burner, and then they revamp it, haul it out again, when they feel that they are um, now suddenly um, enlightened. Yeah.
Genevieve, do you consider yourself to be pagan? I most certainly do consider myself to be pagan. <laughs> I remember my dad still telling me when I was small that, like, are you sure you're not heathen? <laughs> no, Dad, I, I don't even know what heathen is yet. I haven't read that book. But yes, yes, I'm definitely part of the pagan community. Um, I have seen things, I have read things, I have felt things. But yes, I'm definitely, definitely 100% part of the pagan community. Wonderful. Would you be able to explain to me what your uh, practices are? Do you, do you cast circles? Do you celebrate the seasonal festivals? Come, tell me a little bit more about yourself. You know, nobody can force anybody to be on a path, but you can merely guide people. And I think there's much more beauty to guiding people. There's, it, everybody needs a little bit of an earth angel, if you want to call it that, <laughs> or pixie or elf, you know. And uh, what are we to each other if we can't not guide each other? Okay, um, when it comes to my deities, a lot of people are often like, what? <laughs> but um, I, I, I have pop culture deities, so like Tankle is one of mine because I can relate more to her, you know, she's more of my time. Matilda from The Professional, um, I relate more to her, so yes. They are on my altar, um, yeah. Um, and then of course, Mother Maiden Crone, um, because of my living situations, I live with my mother uh, and my daughter. So yes, the triquatra is very prevalent in our house. I do have my altars and I do have my herbs. Um, I've got a rabbit, yes, very much infatuated with Alice in Wonderland. Um, so. I do practice, yes, I, I, I am a practicing witch here and there, I've got my intention candle for the morning, yes, but uh, what often throws people off is my deities being of popular culture, but I do love it, I really, really do love it. <laughs> I noticed Matilda on your profile picture, and I absolutely love the heart, um, you know, the sacred heart that she's wearing. And um, I don't see why not. Why not? I mean, we are all part of the divine. And, um, you know, if we are the temple within which the divine is housed and experiences existence and, and experiences being huma human, uh, so humanity experiencing humanity, then uh, why can Matilda not be a goddess? Um, I love that. I absolutely love that. Absolutely enjoying in speak, uh, speaking to you as well. Yeah, sorry, my brain does jumble words. <laughs> my brain also jumbles words. So I force myself to talk slowly at moments, you know, when I'm overly excited about something so that I may talk English and not gibberish, you know. Um, I'd like to find out do you consider yourself to be a witch? Yes, I actually do consider myself to be a witch. Um, I think I started that um, after my sixth birthday. I was like, I am a devil. And I was like, no, I am a witch. Yes, no, I'm a witch. I think I've identified that from a very, very, very young age when I realized I didn't actually want to be the devil. So, yeah interesting side note i decided to be 
six for two years of my life because I just didn't want to be seven. I didn't like how the number seven looked. So yeah, no, I've I've called myself a witch since a very young age. I actually even have a birthday cake that was in the shape of a witch. So yeah, I believe I'm a witch. Well, a witch you are then. <laughs> we believe in the self-definition on the SAPC, you know. If you define yourself as a witch, you are a witch. And uh, wherever there were witches, there were always whispers and rumours and suspicions of uh, malevolent handiwork, you know, like farmers uh, whose cows would go dry, would um, be accused of all sorts of things. And um, then there was, of course, the weather working, the management of the wind and rain and uh, ships that would be thrust upon the rocks and destroyed. Have you ever had people accusing you of dark deeds? You know, imagined dark deeds. And here we go. Yes. <laughs> Yes, as a kid, um, sorry, as a kid, um, yeah, I did get accused of some weird stuff that I really did not do, like switching off lights, um, really, really silly stuff, but, um, in my mom's side of the family, there is the Dehalem, or the veil, which you are born with, uh, so, yeah, there, there is quite a few of that, she also grew up on a farm in Zero, so, yes, there, there would be things happening there, but yeah, I know I got called, I don't, I can't even remember the word now, but I did get called a weird word by one of my friend's mothers, and um, I had no idea what this word was until I went and said to my mom, I got called this word today, I think it's a compliment, and my mom was like, oh no, that's not a compliment. So yeah, and also like teachers wouldn't like me, and like I got put in a dumb corner and stuff like that, but if I have to now weigh it up, it was the Asperger's that nobody ever picked up on. It was just my way of questioning and um, seeing things a little bit differently. I hope that's what was going on, but I believe that's what was going on. So yeah, weird stuff does happen around us. Um, I'm okay with it. <laughs> but yes, the nefarious is always around, which you have to balance out. So we balance it out. But it's not done on purpose, definitely not. But the whispers are there and the gossip is there, so you hold it at the gossip. But you can't stop the supernatural stuff, if you want to put it that way. Don't get me started on the messages in our post box. We've got so many ministries and things that leave us messages in the post box that we need to go to church. I've got nothing against churches, so I just collect them. And sometimes they're really great booklets. Like, I've learned a lot from the booklets. Oh, my word. <laughs> that is quite something. Tell me, where do you live? Do you live in a small town? You don't have to tell me the name of the town, but is it a small town, a village, a city where these things are happening? No, my mother hailed from Zerus, my dad hailed from Durban, and we are in Alberton. So lovely good old Alberton, yes. Um, we don't go seeking for it, let me tell you that much. We don't. We just deal with it, you know. And uh, normally we tend to make friends with these people eventually. So I, I cannot judge another person's path, but I will get to know them and say, hey, we're here for you we're in the neighborhood. Let's be friends. And we usually do. 
Yes, that is the best way to deal with these things. I also experienced uh, these sorts of incidents when my son was at school. And uh, now he's a grown man, married man, <laughs> and I'm an old lady. But um, yes, I, I, I find that, that that is the most practical way of dealing with things. Let them get to know you as a person, as an individual, have you around for years and then finally realize that the friendly neighborhood witch is actually a good neighbor, a good person to have around. Another question, do you do tarot, astrology, um, scrying, any of these arts? Yes, I absolutely do do these arts. Um, I've got my tarot deck, uh, and then of course I've got the zombie tarot deck. I, I'm a huge fan of those because, you know, popular culture. I've got my oracles, you know, depending on who I work with. I often sense that some people prefer the oracle decks. And then I've got my pendulum, yes. My, my daughter also uses pendulum, she's a phenomenal at it. So yeah, I do I do use uh, divination tools. I also have a ruins, which I only use for very very special occasions. Uh, yeah, and then obviously I use flames for scrying, divulging all the secrets here. But then again, I never do get asked. So yeah, I'm wondering what do you use? Well, I do tarot. I do scrying, runes, I'm very attracted to the Nordic um, culture, you know, I have some of it in my genes, so um, I'm attracted to it. Um, and then from Italy, I um, have learned, you know, the removal of the malocchio, as well as interpreting the books of the Sibylla. That's so interesting. That is truly amazing. Um, I truly believe that there is like DNA history and memories. I strongly believe in that. I also have um, some Danish ancestry in me and I was horrified to learn that like I actually had a heretic in my family uh, that was a part of the witch trials. There's so many people that are like, oh, I've got witch's blood, I've got witch's blood. And then to learn that I had a heretic in my bloodline that actually was part of the witch trials, um, it horrified me. And then I just learned that, you know, how to deal with this is that, like, I've got to break this generational curse. So, yeah. Um, a few of the witches ascribe the powers of flight. Um, merely to their brooms and the gates or the staffs and you know all the other funny implements they use to fly goats as well isn't it <laughs> and uh, others ascribed the magical energy that transported them to magical ointments you know that were thickly smeared all over their bodies and that incorporated herbs witchcraft herbs like monkshood, henbane, deadly nightshade, mandrake, hemlock and all of those things. And um, these extracts were 
then uh, mixed with lard, it is whispered, and <laughs> some say the fat of unbaptized children, and these magical ingredients would be smeared all over the body and witches could then be spirited across uh, the night sky, through and across countries, continents in the twinkle of an eye. Do you believe that there's any truth to, to, to this? To tales, I believe in broken telephone, definitely. But I do believe in transporting and like astral projection and who's to say not multi-dimensional gates and stuff. But I also believe dreaming is how you can walk amongst different platforms. But I for one do not want to rub lard of any form all over my body. But I, I do. Um, believe in oils and stuff to restore one's balance but I don't want to ride a goat I just want to pet a baby goat that would be nice um, I do have an affinity for goats I have no idea where that comes from but um, flying witches not so much maybe levitating maybe two centimeters off the ground that could be done but no, I just believe that's broken telephone and uh, man-made tales to make people scared. It would be rare to see, though. Perhaps some of the herbs were entheogens and uh, gave them hallucinations or powers to fly. I don't know. I like to keep my options open. <laughs> um, I have a friend in Scotland and I believe that all that one had to do in order to become a witch and to be, in order to be able to do all these um, supernatural uh, things was to go to a beach alone at midnight and place yourself between the high and the low tide marks on the sand so basically that would be like an interstice between day and night and between high and low and then she would have to sit down and place one hand on the crown of her head and the other beneath the soles of her feet and she had to say take all that is between my hands and from that moment on, she was a witch, what the others called a Satan's creature, one of Satan's creatures. But most witches made their pacts at festivals of the devil known as Sabbaths. Um, and, you know, it's postulated that that word came from the French word, esbatre, um, which means to frolic. Okay. Now, nowadays we um, have different ways of becoming witches. According to you, who made the first witch? Oh, I forgot they had to spin three times Widdishans as well. If I'm sure you lived in Scotland or Ireland or the UK or Europe or somewhere, I, 
I would have most probably done every single ritual there was at any like magic stone because I just find that so enlightening that it is so easy over there you know um over here I'm, I'm gonna say it bluntly you just get called it and you become it so you know it's so easy over there you know to be to be different like I have a godson over there and just like with the way he looks over here he was branded a witch he's not he's he's atheist you know so over there like he he can live really as himself but over here he he was just like oh you look like a witch so you must be a witch but yes um who do i think was the first witch to be totally honest i think anybody that's different somebody must have been so different and um, I'm going to come now into shamanism. So I'm going to come now into the scientific realm of my brain is um, epileptics and people falling and having visions. Those are where the witches started. And obviously people like that need a support group. So they would be the witches assistants. So yeah, I mean, we can look at the Khoisan shamanists as well. So yeah, there's been a long line of um, witches having seizures, um, shamans having seizures. So I could be wrong, I could be right, but that is my belief or what I'm coming up with right now. That, um, yeah, the first witches could have had seizures and seen things and had visions and preemptively known, like, what to go to. Um, instinctually had guts. Uh, gut feelings, you know, that this herb would work with that herb, and you know, and obviously, when people have instincts that other people do not, they're going to be seen as different because people fear what they do not understand. You make a very good point there, and I think that you may just be very, very right. And um, you mentioned a rabbit and dogs earlier on. Are, do you consider them your familiars? Because witches had familiars, um, what the folk at large believe were demonic agents given to them by the devil. And uh, these pets would uh, sit before the fire and in the heart, you know, before the hearth of, of the witch on the windowsill. And uh, if there were snakes and toads, they would crawl into people's gardens same if they if they were a hare or a rabbit and even spiders you know spinning their lacy web could listen and um, eavesdrop and spy on neighbors and do the witch's bidding as well the familiars could spy on the activities of the neighbors and they would bring back useful gossip which then she could use to either impress them or threaten them, okay? Now, do you believe that this was just conjecture from people outside the craft? Or do you have familiars? I strongly believe in familiars or strong bonds. Um, not all animals are familiars, but um, I got stuck in a very deep, dark place, and I 
I got to adopt this dog in a very, very weird and wonderful way, which I can't unfortunately describe how I got her, but um, this, this, this familiar of mine saved my life. She was very old when I got her, but oh, she was the engine that could. She, she was my little Thomas train, and um, I swear, she changed my life, and uh, she was really, really, really a familiar. Uh, it's like she, she could read my thoughts, I could read hers. Um, she was she was beautiful right up until the end um and i swear like she told me that like she was ready to go um i've got another little one at the like now um he he was never trained um i actually got him from my sister and brother-in-law when they moved to new zealand he came to live with us and like he will actually go call my mom when there's something wrong with me or he will get onto the bed. He knows he's not allowed to, but he will get onto the bed and he will make sure that I'm lying the right way. So yes, I strongly believe in familiars. Um, where we live right now, we can't have cats. We're right on the highway, so it's a bit dangerous. Um, uh, we had a cat named Gacy and um, he would behave like a dog and he would warn us that there were people at the gates. And uh, yes, he, he was a bit of a spy, yeah. You know, so, yeah, I do, I do. And um, as for spiders, um, I always know when there's a bad omen by the type of spiders we have in our house. Um, I'm very committed to not harming spiders. So is my daughter, but there's just certain spiders that freak her out. And um, unfortunately, we have to do what we have to do there. But um, yes, I have been accused of sending snakes to people, which is a little bit absurd. But uh, no, I do not know how to command snakes. But in terms of being called the devil, I have been called that a lot. But I still believe our country, you know, has a lot to learn, you know, with the 30 days of activism against, uh, you know, what uh, Damon is doing. I have such amazing... Sorry, my dogs are barking. You know, they would bark when you want to talk about familiars. But yes, um, Damon is a fantastic person. Actually, the whole group is. But yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say is like I don't believe in familiars being of bad energy. If you are of bad energy, then your familiars will be. But if you do not use them for wrongdoing, then they will not. All right, I understand. I want to tell you a story um, that happened in Somerset in England. There was this old buddy who kept three pet frogs and their names were Duke, Dick and Mary Boy. One autumn afternoon, she went out for a walk carrying the three frogs in the basket, singing to the you know rhythm as frogs do. And uh, she arrived in a field and there were some men who were working in the field and um, one of the frogs hopped out of the basket directly into the path of the of the two reapers and to her great horror they slashed the little frog to bits and pieces she she cried out i'll set hell on you none of you will finish this day's work and having said that curse she trotted off across the field carrying the remaining two frogs back home the young men laughed, but within moments of her having uttered that curse, 
one cut himself badly, cut his hand badly with the scythe and had to stop working. A couple of hours later, the other swinging down um, the scythe opened the boot that he was wearing from side to side and also had to stop working and go home. The truth is here that neither of them had finished that day's work just as the lady had said. So this wasn't a a useful lesson that was to be learned. And there's still another story that happened in the Lake District in England where a witch had a cat, like many witches do. I have one, a black um, tuxedo cat. And uh, this cat was killed by the innkeeper's dog. The old woman was heartbroken and she stood by dry-eyed. It is whispered that witches couldn't cry. While uh, the innkeeper's servant got instruction from the innkeeper to dig a hole and bury the cat. So the old witch asked the young man, whose name was Willen, would he please read a few words over the cat in respect for her pet from her black book or Libra Carminus. And instead of doing it, Willen uh, burst out laughing and chucked in the little body of the cat into the hole and uttered a mocking rhyme ashes to ashes and dust to dust yes a hole and in thou must so the old woman was very bitter she said very well you will be punished as you will see and off she went to her home and a couple of days later whilst willen was plowing the innkeeper's field the plow got caught on a rock it's shooting up into the air the two handles went straight into his eyes and blinded him for life now with these sort of like repeated uh, tales of um, malice do you blame the public at large, those who are not in the craft, those who do not understand that um, do you blame them for believing that uh, witches are the enemy, that they are mean and capable of violence? No, um, I, I will never blame a witch, but I do believe in the misinformation that is given to the public that, you know, um, there is really misconception about it and, you know, a much misconception, sadly, you know, misconception. I've, I've got a friend, a dear friend who, 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 ta- who stays in the township and, um, she helps the locals and she's breaking the stereotypes 
and I think it's a lovely thing that she is doing, you know, but we need more advocates for it. If the public does not know, then how must they know? How do you break those stereotypes? Do they have the internet to learn? Do they have the facilities to learn? You have to look at it from, from that point of view. And uh, most of these people that are blamed for witchcraft don't even know what the witchcraft is. You know, so how do you how do you how do you put the blame on someone that does not know? It is horrendous things that are happening, but is the education there? Is it? You know, it's it's you've got to advocate. You got you got to learn. You've got to teach. You you know, and it starts at grassroots level. You got to go out there. You got to be brave. There's advocacy for everything. And it starts somewhere. Professor Ronald Hutton actually also suggests that governments should get involved uh, with universities and educate people that the only fear they need to have is not of witches and witchcraft, but fear of fear of witchcraft itself. If we look at um, New Zealand, they actually do have a wizard in their government. And uh, to me, that is progressive. That's that's a start, you know. So we should start incorporating that now. I do believe in one of our universities, there was an application for a course on witchcraft and uh, diversity, but I haven't seen much since. It was very much a little article, wish I had kept it, but I haven't heard anything other than that. But there's truth to that. There is. It's, it's needed, and um, it's needed. I mean, what we see with our witchcraft is very much what is not happening in the real world. We need to dismiss so many myths and um, you know, often there is a lot of blame shifting going on for all the bad stuff that's happening. And the easiest route out is often to say, oh, it must be her. Uh, uh, you know, she looked at me funny. And um, it's it's like a crossing of two worlds almost, you know. It's all medieval with modern sage witches, you know, like the woohoos. And it's... It, it's got to come to a stop at one point where the education is needed and it's got to be done gently. I worked with the Department of Missiology of the University of Pretoria as well as the University of Bloemfontein for a few years, you know, in which um, all different um, priests and priestesses from re different religious backgrounds gathered and submitted papers um, basically explaining the ins and outs of um, their belief system and um, unfortunately uh, all this stuff came to an end and I'm not a hundred percent sure why but yes there was work definitely done towards uh, educating the public and you know demystifying a lot of the things uh, in order that you know if folk understood one another that they could accept or at least tolerate as Seidel said you know 
um, unfortunately that work came to a grinding halt and um, it is a pity I would very much like it to be resumed and I'd like younger pagans and witches to to be a part of it um, I mean the stories of fearing witches go way back hundreds of years I mean there's tales that relate on how the Highland witches sought revenge against two men renowned for their uh, detesting and pursuit of, of uh, the sisterhood, the black sisterhood as, as it was called. The first man was John McGillicullum, called the Gaelic Ian Garb or the Rugged John for his bravery and uh, we don't know if the bravery has anything to do with uh, hunting witches or if he was really indeed a brave man and uh, they say that he lived um, you know, in a little island between the Isle of Skye and the mainland, and that on one autumn day, he and his men set sail for uh, the Isle of Luz to um, go and do some hunting. And um, of course, they were very, very happy. The sky, they say, was as blue as gentian and that the clouds were piled high like white cream and the waves sparkled around their boat as they sailed towards the Isle of Luz about 50 miles away to the northwest and um, unfortunately they were never seen again and there's conflicting tales about his death um, they say that that night the beautiful day was um, followed by a night of squalls and screaming wind and another day just as bad in in weather and on the second day um, a seaman in the Isle of Skye saw a little boat beating um, across the waves towards them but there was only funny shapes aboard the ship not sailors and uh, the, the the ship capsized and Nobody knows what happened to those men. Um, nothing was ever found. And, um, yeah. You know, you hear these stories of these men in conquest to break up the sisterhoods and all this, but maybe it's their overconfidence that ultimately destroys them. Possibly it could be that. And, um, you know, then you see these ghostly figures afterwards. Overconfidence can crush a lot of egos. In terms of the university, well, it's wonderful to know that you were a part of that team. And it's sad to know that it came to a grinding halt. But maybe this is a little bit of a sign because I was not aware that um, you were actually a part of the team. Maybe it's a sign that you should restart that little kindle of a fire of a thing that could go on. This is me just saying, hey, universe, wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is always a logical explanation to these things, isn't it? But there are so many tales, so many stories that are so 
for me, fabulous stories that shouldn't go last, but that in a way also do perpetuate this hatred towards witches, this distrust towards witches. So maybe I shouldn't tell these tales. You know, the more people that tell these tales, the better, really. You know, when you brought up the frogs, I thought, well, this is a time for me to tell you the tale of the three-legged frogs in, I can't quite remember the country, sorry, my memory does go, um, but I do know of a Native American that does live in South Africa, and um, his father's line was cursed, so they saw a brujo, and this brujo is Argentina, yeah, Argentina, they saw a brujo, and this brujo said that all the firstborn men have to go cut off the left back leg of these frogs and make sure that they do not die. Then take these left back legs of these frogs, attach it to a safety pin or pin, and keep it on themselves until they dry and never lose the back leg. So with my friend moving here, he never got the chance to do it. So while he's telling us this tale, I look at him and I said, do you see a lot of frogs even like if they're not in season and he just looked at me blankly and he said why did you have to say that and I said but do you see them like if something's about to happen and he's like yeah I said well your family line gave you a good omen and that is your warning and um, yes so there is a place (laughs) that has three-legged frogs in Argentina and the Brujo actually sent them good blessings and the curse was broken. I'm not to show what the curse was. So I do believe these stories need to be told. And yes, there might be a logical explanation. And I do believe in all the goodies of the world. You know, I do. I do. And the biddies. And I, I love them. I love them. I actually have books collected on them. And I, I think it needs to be told and the mythologies and everything, you know. And when my memory is good enough, I do tell them, I do tell them, and I tell them to anyone who will listen. You know, sometimes with blank stares, but that's fine, I will tell them. And I think it's great that you're sharing these stories. They need to be told. They really, really do. You know, but like, the minute it's like somebody's like chasing them and trying to destroy them, then I just want to go to those people were overconfident and they didn't need to do it because I think it's just like I don't like bullies (laughs) I just don't like them but maybe that's the witch's bidding I do not like them therefore I will add the logical thing to it I must say I also do not particularly like bullies either (laughs) Genevieve I want to thank you so much for having given me some of your time i do not want to take up any more of it because i don't know if you need to go cook or do something run errands so whenever you feel like having another chat that we can record a second part to just tell more stories i'll be very very happy to speak to you later today another day doesn't matter but before we close this interview would you be so kind to 
um, give an encouraging message to other pagans and witches in our country. Oh, thank you for like having me on your show. You're such an inspiration um, in everything you do. But I do actually have parting words. I actually like opened it up. And it's uh, the opening paragraph of Nature Boy by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. And it goes like this. I was just a boy when I sat down to watch the news on TV. I saw some ordinary slaughter. I saw some routine atrocity. My father said, don't look away. You got to be strong. You got to be bold now. He said that in the in the end, it is beauty that is going to save the world now. And it's almost like you read my mind <laughs> that I needed to say that. And thank you so much. And it would be an honor to be interviewed again. You are an immaculate person, and your spirit is so strong and beautiful and light. And only way to get there is to know your own darkness, as we've said before. And thank you, thank you. And I just have to give a shout out to Seidel from the Southern Hemisphere Witch Group. And I have to say thank you because we have been through a lot together. At first we were like wary of each other, but like we're cool now. And um, thank you again. It's been a tremendous honor and you really have brightened up my day. Thank you, that was too kind of you and uh, I hope you have a lovely long weekend and as I said whenever you're in the mood let me know and we'll do a second interview take care thank you again for the honor thank you so very very much and have a blessed long weekend ladies and gentlemen was an interview with Genevieve Tuco from Southern Hemisphere Witches. Do stay tuned in and look out for further podcasts all the way up to Pagan Freedom Day. Should you be interested in being interviewed, please contact me, DM me and I'll get hold of you. Thank you.